Hey guys. Hello. Yes. Oh, we're, we're excited tonight. I can feel it too. Um, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Pastor Ben. Please call me Ben. Don't call me Pastor Ben. It makes me feel old and I know I'm already old. So just Ben, young adult, college pastor here at Grace Point Church. Incredibly honored and blessed and encouraged that you guys have decided to worship with us tonight here in the worship center. Hello. Great room. <laughs> Hello. Just across the hall. I would say like stand up and shout if you want, but our doors are shut. I don't know if we'd be able to hear you, but thank you for joining us in worship. Those of you watching at home, even here in Brookings, watching online, I know we got a crew in Watertown who's watching in Vermillion Sioux Falls. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, everyone likes a comeback story, right? Or is it just me? Like, give me just a raise of hands. I need some interaction here, guys. I'm too excited not, okay, thank you. A little bit of a comeback story. It's, it's those moments in sports where you feel like even, I, I love sports, you feel like the game has gotten away. It was a couple years ago, the Patriots coming back against the Falcons. And I'm not like, I'm a Vikings fan through and through, period. Amen. Let's, worship team, come back out. That's all I needed to know. If we got Vikings fans in here, they know Jesus, right? Like, that's how it works. <laughs> But like to see greatness in Tom Brady just perform the way, like that's an amazing story. Like it's cool to see that and be a part of that and, and witness that. It happens in sports all the time, but it, there's even more so stories and, and I think moments of power that happen in movies that we see. Some of my favorite movies have moments where the main character comes back to life. It's they were dead, they were defeated, they were gone, and they came back. And I got some examples, I wrote them all down. Back to the Future, anyone? Just me. Again, I'm going to show my age a little bit here, but that's going to be okay. Doc Brown, right? Gets shot, he's dead. Goes back in time, saves his life. It's, it's the greatest moment in the film, in that, in that movie. E.T., anyone? Extraterrestrial, maybe? Let's go. They thought he was dead. He got stolen, thought he was dead. He came back to life, Reese's Pieces, phone home, all the things. Best part is that he's not dead. The Beast and Beauty and the Beast, just me. Anyone else? Like, we'll watch it at home. Like, I love the new live versions of stuff and what they're putting out. Emma Watson, there's a brilliant, brilliant actress. <laughs> Super good, but we'll watch it. And like, we'll watch the cartoon ones with my kids who are five and three. And then like the live one came, so, hey, let's watch the live ones. And we're watching it and the Beast is too scary for my little girl, which I didn't think was possible because she's so strong, like strong-willed and independent and just like fearless. And when it comes to other things, for some reason, the Beast scared her butt. The beast died, came back to life. Incredible transformation. Harry Potter? Okay, four people. <laughs> Deathly Hollows too, right? Resurrection Stone. Thought he was dead. I didn't read the book, so in the movie for me, I was like, hey, he ain't dead. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. If you're a freshman, if you're new here tonight, that's how I laugh, so you're just gonna have to get used to it. Gandalf, Lord of the Rings. Right? There's some of the greatest moments in that. So you got to watch the first movie, pass away at the end. The second movie comes back. They don't recognize him. He's an amazing thing. There's power in this. Aslan, right? Comes back to life. Have you heard of an actor called Jim Caviezel? He's in Person of Interest. Um, I don't know if you've seen Count of Monte Cristo, again, showing my age. But he was in this movie that came out, I don't know how long ago. Brandon, you know how long ago it was? Uh, He played this character named Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. He comes back to life. That was a little bit of a joke, and it landed horribly. (laughs) I thought that was going to be a little better. It got you. Brendan was right. He's like, I don't know if you should do it. It's going to land too heavy, and I don't think people are going to react. Neo in The Matrix, first movie, comes back to life. Snow White, 
Snow White and Sam. I, I, again, I got two little kids. We watch Disney movies. They're some of my favorite movies. Wesley and the Princess Bride. My oldest son's name's Wesley. Oh, so that's the one that hit. I love that. My oldest son's name is Wesley. Love that. Baloo in the Jungle Book. Baloo's the bear, right? Saves Mowgli at the end. This is the cartoon. At the end of the, of, of the movie, Baloo's lying there dead. Mowgli's sitting over him. He's, he's sad and like, why did he have to die? What happened? And um, Bagheera, right? The Black Panther comes along, tries to encourage Mowgli. Actually uh, quotes scripture and said, no greater love is this than those who would lay down his life for his friends, which is amazing. Think about it. Go back and watch it. Quote scripture, Jesus. It's amazing. And then all of a sudden, the old Baloo comes back to life and he's not dead. Amazing. I mean, the, the Mac Daddy of them all, Endgame Avengers, right? I mean, just like me, so, so my wife, I just, I love her to death, I do. And, and she's maybe the smartest human being I know. But she didn't like the, the, the Marvel franchise. She just doesn't get into it. Not her fault, I don't blame her. I think she's too smart for it. I need it, I like it, I need to be entertained. I'm not very smart. I like the movies. I watch them. Like all the Avengers, like, okay, watch them all. I think she saw, she saw for sure the first one. And then I made her watch Infinity War with me at home so we could go to Endgame together. But she didn't pay attention. She was on Pinterest or something, scrolling through Facebook. I don't know. But she didn't ask me a lot of questions during the movie, which is really good and really important. So future relationship advice. If you're watching a movie together, don't ask a lot of questions. Just let it play out if you don't know what's happening. <laughs> Write it down. That may be the most important thing I say tonight. I hope not, but it might be. <laughs> so we go to Endgame, and we're sitting there, and there's uh, a guy. This was before COVID, obviously. Endgame was how many years ago? Uh, and there's this guy sitting next to us, and I could tell, huge fan. We connected. We didn't talk, but we had a connection. It was amazing. <laughs> huge fan. We get to the end, right? Captain America, Avengers assemble. The things open up with the circles, and all of them come out. And he... I wanted to, like, within my soul and my body, everything was, like, blowing up. There were fireworks and celebration. And this guy physically said, yeah, and started clapping his hands. And I was like, this is, a, this is great. But we love those moments, right? And I think there's a reason that we love those moments. Is that even though we're told that death is a natural thing, right? We have this phrase that even gets thrown around. And again, I may age myself here. But there are two things certain in life, right? Death and taxes. So some of you guys all aren't old enough to be paying taxes yet, and that's okay. It's a blessing. <laughs> death and taxes, that's what we're told. It's, it's certain things, so we kind of get used to it. Death has is, is become a natural part of life. But in reality, what we need to know and what God through his scripture and what he tells us and what he continually points to is this truth that humans are not meant to die. Death is unnatural. And I'm going to explain why. And I'll get there. But over and over in scripture, we get pointed to this amazing truth that we were not meant to die. And so I think that's why we connect to these beautiful stories of resurrection. It's why we grieve so heavily when someone we know and love dies and is lost. Our series that we're starting tonight and going through the next three weeks is called Dry Bones. It was in the song at the opening, incredible song. And it's taken from a passage of Ezekiel 37. So if you have your Bible, open up there. If you have a phone, pull it out. Ezekiel 37, we're going to go 1 through 14. And this is one of those moments where God is pointing us to this truth, to this reality that humans were not meant to die. 37 verse 1 says this, The hand of the Lord was on me, 
And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones, bones, the bones came together. Slip up number one. You can mark them down, Brennan. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. The big idea for tonight is this. And you're gonna see it as I, as I speak through Ezekiel 37, as I connect it to why this is important. The whole reason that this scripture is set up for us, the reason that God brings Ezekiel in a vision and a dream to this valley is that God tells us that the dry bones of the valley are not our final reality. That's the big idea. Write it down, get it in your head, try to memorize it. God is trying to show Ezekiel through this vision and dream that the dry bones that he sees in this valley are not the final reality for his people, for his nation, the ones that he had called out, that he had brought out from captivity and slavery from the land of Egypt. See, what was happening in this time as God was coming to Ezekiel, showing him this incredible vision, this, this picture and power of, of resurrection, is that the Israelites, the nation of Israel, they were in exile. There was a covenant that they had made between them and God, made in the time of Abraham. And he said, through you, Abraham, I'm gonna bless every nation. All the world is gonna be blessed through you. Through the nation of Israel, they will be blessed. But if you do not follow my commands and do what I say, you will be cursed. And as time went on, decades after decades, the Israelites were not doing what the Lord had commanded. They were not keeping their end of the covenant. And so because that, what happened is they were put what some people call a covenant curse on them and they were exiled out of their land. And the Babylonians who were a powerful empire at this time came and drove them out, took them into captivity. So the Israelites are in exile. And God comes to Ezekiel and he says in verse three, he asks me, son of man, can these bones live? This valley that God brought him back and forth from, all Ezekiel can see is death. 
maybe for miles upon miles. It's, it's so bad that he can't even go down and walk through the valley that God has to ho- allow him to hover over it as he passes him through this valley of dry bones. And he looks at Ezekiel and he says, hey, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And I've read this before in this like, conf- like I see this and I think like, Ezekiel is confident. This guy has faith. And I don't put it in context. Like for me, it's like Ezekiel saying, God, you know. I know you know. I trust that you know. I don't know why you're asking me. I don't know. And that's okay. Like that's how I've read it before. But I think as I, as I put myself in Ezekiel's shoes, as I've gone through and I see this valley of dry bones of death, knowing that they're the people of Israel, the people of Israel that Ezekiel has been called out as a prophet to encourage to come back to God. I think it went more like this. God, I know you're in control, but I don't know. All I see in front of me is death. I think Ezekiel is, is in his relationship and heart and following God and desiring to be in right relationship with him and wanting to do everything that God is asking of him is struggling in this moment. I think we get some transparency into Ezekiel's life. I, I actually appreciate the honesty that Ezekiel shows us. I think there's uncertainty because I think what he sees is powerlessness and hopelessness. And so he doesn't know. I think he's overwhelmed. And I don't know about you, but in the last six months, I've felt overwhelmed (laughs) multiple times. It's actually weird that we can all say we've been a part of something, not just even as as a town or a campus or a state, but a worldwide pandemic that has overwhelmed every single one of us. I think we've felt this. We know this feeling. We know, I think, and have said multiple times in the valley of dry bones that are in front of us. I don't know if these can live again. What are your dry bones? Maybe it's the uncertainty of not knowing what's gonna happen during this school year. Maybe you're connected uh, with a business. Your family has a business back home that had to shut down. Maybe you've come here tonight and you're struggling with some sort of addiction or struggle, a temptation that you just can't seem to overcome. And time and time again, you see a valley of dry bones in front of you, a valley of death, and you feel hopeless and powerless. I think we can connect with Ezekiel saying, Sovereign Lord, only you know because I really even don't know how to answer this. I don't know how to move forward in the valley that's in front of me. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Are you feeling overwhelmed now? I believe that God has a word for you tonight. You see, and we know that there's this connection between what's happening with the Israelite nation and their exile. You see, they were promised not just I think physical prosperity, but also spiritual prosperity in the covenant that was made between God and Abraham. And what happened is that those promises they felt had been taken away. And we know this in verse 11, as it says, then he said to me, son of man, these are the people of Israel spread out in this valley of death. 
They say our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We've been cut off. This whole 14 verses in Ezekiel 37 is a beautiful picture and metaphor of exile. It's they've been pushed out into physical exile. They are no longer in the land that they thought was promised to them. So they feel that as they've been conquered by the Babylonians, their God has even died. Mentally, they're having this battle as they're scattered physically away from their home of frustration and anger and uncertainty of hopelessness. But I think there's a second battle happening outside of just being physically taken from your home, which I can't imagine. It's spiritually they know that the whole world was going to be saved through, the, through their nation. That through their father Abraham, God was going to bless the world. And being in exile, scattered from their homeland, I think they're battling, they have this emotional and mental battle that's happening that we don't know now if that's going to happen. Is the promise that was once laid before us now officially gone? So they say our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We've been cut off. In other words, they felt as though they were on the brink of the death of a nation. You see, they had this, and I'm going to say healthy identi national identity, because there's definitely unhealthy ones. Because they knew of the promise that God said, I will bless all of the world. Every nation will be blessed through you guys. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They didn't even know when it was going to happen but they believed it was gonna happen and they felt that that had been taken away from them. And because that hope was given them through Abraham, the nation of Israel had an understanding that the whole world would now not be saved, would now not be blessed. Because again, this is the promise that they had taken on themselves, the one that they believed because it's the one that God had given them. They had God's revelation and salvation was through them. But personal death and hopelessness was at their doorstep because they were in exile. And so God knows this. He knows the battle that the Israelites have of being physically and spiritually exiled, of not knowing what's ahead in their future and what's gonna happen. So he, he gives his prophet, the one who speaks to them and encourages them and says, hey, I've got a word for you. And I want you to speak this word and prophesy this word over the nation of Israel. And he goes through and there's ultimately 10 promises, but he repeats one. So there's these nine things that are laid out through these 14 verses that he wants Ezekiel to tell his people. Now remember, God tells us that the dry bones of the valley are not our final reality. And so he prophesies over there and he gives them these promises, which I think is just beautiful. The valley of dry bones through these promises and through this declaration of hope and of life become a valley of hope and of promises and of a future. So we're gonna get a list of like all nine of them just up here and they're just gonna be sitting here. I think they're gonna be somewhere. <laughs> yes. So the first one, and I tend to do this and so I apologize. I, I, I over-spiritualize stuff. Because as I'm reading these things, I'm thinking, this is amazing. Like, do you see what's God doing? And I don't know how some of y'all feel about like anatomy. My wife is a PA and she went through anatomy here at SDSU, she was a TA, she loved it. It's like her favorite class, which sounds awful because you guys all deal with corpses. That creeped me out. It would just would creep me out. But she loved it because she's, oh, I'm, I don't know, I'm gonna tell the story. She said one time, 
And she was going, and she had to, as a TA, go and like prep the bodies for the students to come in and like go through these. I'm gonna throw up just talking about it. <laughs> but she, she loved it. She's like, yeah, I got to pull the skin back and see the muscles. And then you got to like, nope, mm-mm, can't do it. But her appreciation, not just like for the human body. I think she appreciates our body. I don't really know. You have to ask her. A little fun. I thought it was okay. <laughs> but her appreciation for it has made me come to appreciate creation. And I think in these promises that are laid out and how God brings life and hope and a future is not something that's random. It's really, really intentional and purposeful. So he says, to start off, you got these dry bones that are dry, right? Obviously, because they're dry bones. That means they've been there for a long time. I don't know if you guys all hunt. I, I'm a hunter and I'll go and I'll see sometimes a corpse, a deer that's been eating like dry bones. They don't stink anymore. There's nothing on it but bone. It means it's been there for a while. When the stink is gone, it's been there for a while. Dry bones, cut off, no hope. He says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna attach tendons to you. Now, another word used in, I think the ESV and the, and the, and the King James, which are different translations for the Bible, says, I'm gonna attach sinews to you. And a sinew is literally the, the sustenance and stability that we get in our backbone and in our spine. It's the tendons that literally attach every single bone. So he's saying these bones that are scattered and everywhere and not placed well, there's chaos. Says, I'm gonna bring order and structure out of this chaos. I'm gonna put you guys back together. And not only am I gonna bring stability, I'm also gonna add flesh. Now flesh here, is muscle, is strength, right? Like I got a little muscle, not a lot of muscle. All my muscle is underneath my fat, but I got a little bit. So I'm gonna add some muscle onto you because that's the next step. There's order, there's this strength. And, and for me, because I like to over-spiritualize things, it's this recognition for me like, man, even in the depths of the valley where we experience death and our bones are dry, God says that he's gonna remind me and actually give me strength. And strength is not in physically what I can do or not taking out of context, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's this reality that the Lord is my strength. In Nehemiah 8.10, he says, the day is sacred to our Lord, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Habakkuk 3.18, I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He says, I'm going to make you strong again. And not only that, I'm going I'm to give you some skin, which is good. My, my wife is now a, a dermatologist. PA skin's her favorite thing. Gross. But she loves it. And she gets to sometimes tell me about just the beauty and amazing thing about skin. Biggest organ in the body. Didn't know that was real. Doesn't make sense to me, actually. <laughs> again, not too bright. But we need the skin in order to actually protect our veins and arteries and our muscles from getting infection, from getting debris that hits us because it's tender. And so he says, not only am I going to give you strength, I'm going to give you protection. Proverbs 2, the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. And so he makes this structured, perfect out of chaos, orderly body. He brings the bones together and adds tendons and muscle and skin. But he says, that's not enough because I don't want you just to exist. I actually want to breathe into you and give you life. The spirit of God, this is a psalm, a spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. He just doesn't want us to exist and go about this world 
like nothing is ever gonna happen, that we can experience full and abundant life from the Father. He says, no, I'm gonna breathe life into you. He says, I will open up your graves. Psalm wants to sing, truly I am your servant, Lord. You have freed me from my chains. He brings forgiveness. He breaks chains. He opens up graves. And not only does he open up the, the graves and break down our chains, he brings us out of them. And this is the physical reality that, that God is speaking into the exile. Because in Isaiah it says, leave Babylon. And for 70 years they were held captive. And this promise of I'm going to bring you out of the graves and I'm going to bring life and you're going to have hope again. And you're not going to be scattered anymore. And the promise that I made to Abraham when I said all of the nations will be blessed through you is still going to come to fruition. Isaiah says, leave Babylon, flee from the Babylonians. Announce this with shouts of joy and proclaim it. The Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob, that is the Lord has redeemed, has brought out of the grave the people of Israel. And he says, I will bring you back into the land. For me, this is just promises fulfilled because that's who our God is. He says, I will put my spirit in you. So it's not just enough for God that he puts life into us and gives us breath. It's I wanna give you more. He's saying, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on you. And Joel gives this prophecy of a time to come when the spirit of the Lord, the anointing of God is gonna be over all people. It says, and it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And he says, I will settle you in your own land. And this is a promise of getting out of exile for them, being settled back into the land of Israel. But for us, I also believe that this is a promise of eternity, that we will be with God in eternity into his kingdom. This whole scripture is a beautiful metaphor of how God is bringing out his people out of exile and into the promised land, into the promises that he has given them. But when it comes down to it, the people of Israel, that nation are still humans. They're still like us. And what I believe God is doing in this text is he's giving more than just a picture of getting them out of exile from Babylon, which he does. He's giving them a picture of what's going to happen when they can get out of the ultimate exile. The biggest exile that has ever come on all of humanity. And we read this and know of this because we go back into Genesis 2. And there's an exile that we've all experienced. There's an exile that we have all been a part of. And it's an exile that happened when a relationship that was established and with the creator of the world, the Father God, was destroyed because sin entered the world. Again, this is not just a metaphor for Israelites to be brought out of Babylon. It's a metaphor and a picture for us to recognize this is how God is going to bring about escape and freedom from the ultimate exile. You see, God created you to be in relationship with you. But when we read in Genesis 2, it says Adam and Eve sinned, and that sin has been passed down to all of humans. Every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us has broken God's heart. And sin is to live for ourselves. It's any lie or feeling of hatred or frustration toward another person. And when we've done that, we've broken the relationship that we had established with God. Sin separates us from the Father, and we are in exile. And there's nothing that we can do, just like the Israelites. There was nothing they could do to get them out of exile. So we have a feeling of hopelessness and powerlessness. 
We are literally in a valley of dry bones when we are separated from the Father. But because God is good, he didn't leave us there. He said, hey, just like this beautiful picture of resurrection and of hope and of power, even though you can do nothing to get yourself out of exile, I'm gonna do it for you. So Jesus came down to earth, lived a life of perfection that we couldn't live, and died a death that we deserve to die so that we would be brought out of exile. You see, it doesn't matter the amount of sin, it doesn't matter the track record you have of breaking God's heart or of hurting other people. Jesus came that you would have life, that you would know what it means to be in relationship with the Father. And through his life and his death, which was the payment for our sin, the payment that brought us out of exile and his resurrection, he has made a way back for us to be in relationship with God. And scripture tells us that everyone now who trusts in Jesus now is brought out of exile and in relationship with the Father. It's not about what we can do. It's not about us trying to pay for our, our own sin. It's not about wondering how many times do I have to go to church so that the sins that I've done this past week can be paid for, so that I can make sure that the scale is tipped evenly and that hopefully when I die, I can actually be with God in heaven because we can never be able to fix that scale. We can never be able to bring ourselves out of exile. Jesus did it for us. And so like when Ezekiel is seeing this valley of death, these dry bones, he hears a noise. And it's a noise of bones rattling. And I'm telling you right now, the rattling always starts with Jesus. So do you know him? Have you trusted him? I'm gonna have the team come up and we're gonna go into another worship song, but we're gonna do something that I think is one of the most important things anyone can do. Any sort of pastor or preacher or teacher of God's word. Is there's always these moments where we have to have to give you guys an ability to respond. So maybe you're sitting here tonight and it's your first time here. I wanna say we love you and we thank you for being here. Maybe there's something that's gone on as I've kind of spoken. There's this, I'm, I'm gonna call it a revelation or this reality or understanding that you knew you were in exile because of your sin, that you were separated from the love of God and from his presence. And maybe you've never given yourself an opportunity or maybe it's just tonight is the night where it needs to happen that you need to say yes to Jesus. That you need to ultimately trust him and say, thank you for paying for my sin. And that resurrection was the proof that everything that you taught was not just lies, but it was real. I heard a rapper once say that the resurrection is proof of the check being cleared. Payment has been made. And Jesus did it for you. So I'm gonna everyone just bow, bow your heads with me and for me. And what's awesome about a place like this in Oasis with a, a, a college young adult ministry is we have people coming from all over. And I know there are some people in this room that you've given your life to Jesus and you're surrendered to him fully and you're trusting him for your life and not just trusting him for salvation, not just trusting him that you could have a fixed and redeemed relationship with God as you're trusting him with every aspect of your life. And I love it. And I know that there's people in here tonight where you struggle. Maybe you grew up in church and maybe you didn't. 
Maybe you grew up going to youth group. Maybe you grew up even in a home with parents who loved you and shared the gospel with you, the gospel, the good news of Jesus and his grace and his love. But you've maybe turned away. And God is doing something in your soul. There's, there's a rattling happening within your heart and your soul. And Jesus is saying, come back. But what I believe for sure is that tonight there are people in this room who have never said yes to Jesus. Who have never said, Jesus, I want to turn away from my life living for myself in selfishness and pride and sin and I want to run towards living my life for you because there's this recognition that you have paid for my sin. That I was in exile away from God and in your life, death, and resurrection, I now can be back in his presence. So what I want to do is, for those of you who have never given your life to Jesus, trusted in him for salvation, for life, for hope, what I want you to do is, in your own words, if God is leading you to do this through his spirit, there's a rattle and happen in your soul. Would you just in your old words say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Say, Jesus, thank you that you paid the price for my sin that I couldn't pay. Say, Jesus, I want to turn away from my sin and living for myself and I want to live for you. If you said something along those lines and this is the first time that you've ever trusted in Jesus for paying for your sin, for bringing you out of exile and bringing you into a relationship with God, would you, everyone's eyes are closed, would you just raise your hand so that we can celebrate with you? Would you raise your hand so that we can know and, and, and celebrate with you and, and recognize that we want to be an encouragement to you and pray for you? In the great room, I know I'm not in there, but raise your hand as an act of faith. Now, those of you who, who have said yes to Jesus, and maybe you're just in a, in a midst of just struggling or trying to push through life, something's happening and you just need to come back. Would you in your own words just re re either repeat after me or do this in your own words because you have your own relationship with the Father and God knows your heart. Because it's not about the words that we say that can save us or bring us back. It's the power of God that, that does it. Would you say, Jesus, I'm coming back to you. Even when I continue to come up against a valley of death and dry bones where I feel hopeless and powerless, Jesus, would you remind me you are for me and with me? You have never actually left me or forsaken me. I am yours. The same thing, I think it's important to celebrate this as well. If you prayed anything or said anything in that prayer, if you've read, rededicated and said, I'm coming back to you, Jesus, would you just raise your hand so we can pray with you, celebrate with you? Amen.
All right, let's stand. I want you to stand with me. We have leaders spread out here in the worship center and in the great room. There are leaders ready, and, and we try to do this after, after we do any type of teaching where we want to have an opportunity to pray for you. And last year, I remember we did this moment, we had this moment, and there were people who gave their lives to Jesus, and we celebrated, and we prayed, and we were thankful and excited. But I want you to know that if you were one of those people that raised your hand, whether for the first time saying yes to Jesus, or saying, Jesus, I'm coming back to you, I want you to know that you're not to us just a hand raised in a, in a sanctuary. It's we want to actually be able to put a name and a face so that we can encourage and pray for you and celebrate with you. The Bible tells us that whenever one person repents, which is to turn from self and run towards Jesus, when one sinner repents, there is a party in heaven. And so leaders who have been prepared and praying for you longer and more than you can ever imagine are standing alongside the back wall in here and in the great room. And they want to pray with you. They'll have masks on. And so as we sing this song, what I want you to do is if you, if you would, is go back and just be prayed for and be encouraged. Allow us to celebrate with you. Or you got a connection card when you walked in. Write your name down. Say, I accepted Jesus. I said yes for the first time. Or I'm recommitting my life. And, and hand it in because we pray for you guys. Because you're not just a hand raised in a sanctuary or a face in a crowd. You are now a brother and sister in Christ with us as we try to figure out what it looks like to live a life of uncertainty and in the valley. As we finish, we're going to sing a song called Break Every Chain. And I wanted, I wanted to show you how this comes full circle in the New Testament. All of the scripture I quoted, most of the scripture I quoted was from the Old Testament, kind of the first half of our Bible. And Jesus brings this whole idea and this picture and beautiful metaphor of life and hope in John 20. He's sitting around with his disciples. Actually, it's the night of his resurrection and his disciples are in the upper room and Jesus makes it into the upper room and he shows them the scars in his hands and his feet. And he says this to them. When he said, peace be with you, he, when he said this, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And what I think is happening here when Jesus says, when it says he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, is this his picture connection back to Ezekiel 37 of God said, I'm gonna give you life and breath. When the four winds come, you're gonna be filled with my spirit. It's the culmination and completion of that picture and metaphor happening right now in Jesus. Have you received his spirit? He is breathing on you. Receive it. We love you guys so much. I hope you know that. I'm so thankful for those of you who have given your life to Jesus tonight. Amen. And amen again. For those that you've rededicated, you said, I'm coming back. Amen. For those of you, which I think is every single one of us who can be reminded of the feeling of being overwhelmed and being in the valley of death with dry bones, know that your God loves you and is for you. And that he's continually pointing to us through his word and I think through connection and stories with each other that the value of dry bones are not our final reality. It's our hope and our salvation in Jesus. 
It's being filled with the Spirit to be able to accomplish the things and be empowered to do the things that God is asking us to do. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for tonight. We praise you even for tonight that there are now people who are forever gonna experience eternity with you because they said yes to you tonight. We praise you for that, God. Thank you for those who you have drawn in here that have come back to you, said, I'm coming back to you, Jesus. There's this recognition that yes, life is not gonna be easy, that we're gonna, from time to time and maybe even a lot in our lives and as we walk through this life trying to figure out what it looks like to trust you, we're gonna come up with against dry bones. We're gonna be put in a valley of death. But God, thank you for the hope that you give us that's in you and you alone and not in ourselves. As we continue to praise you tonight, King Jesus, would you allow us to unashamedly sing loud for you and you alone? And would you, (laughs) oh Jesus, would you give us the power to leave this place and know and be confident to be fully surrendered to you? That the choices that we've made here tonight are not just choices for tonight based off a sermon set or song song. They're choices that you've been doing and working in people's lives that are gonna now affect their eternity and the generations that have come behind them. That there's a room and a church right now in this place filled with hundreds of people that can make an impact and change this community and this town and this campus forever. And that's because of you and your power and the hope that we have. We love you, we praise you. Be glorified continually in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.